Hey, good morning. My name is Bill Stafiri. I'm the senior pastor here at Beach Point. And today we are concluding our series called Family Business. And uh, uh, today's a little unique because we've been talking about marriage and parenting and family. Uh, but today we're going to talk about the church and, and what it means for us to be a family of families. Uh, the, the reality is the scriptures speak uh, in a number of ways uh, and use a, a lot of different imagery to help us understand that as we come into a relationship with Jesus Christ, that we become family that we become brothers and sisters, that we are adopted by God. And so there's this unique uh, dynamic that's happening of us becoming a family. And so the scriptures speak and use that imagery. And so we want to think a little bit about what it means to, to be family and, to, and the responsibility of the church family uh, to care about each other and specifically the generations that are, are to come. Uh, I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but every church is really just one generation from closing its doors. Uh, you could drive around Orange County, you could drive around just this, this uh, central area right here, and you would see that. You would see some churches that are, are close, uh, some churches that, that already are, they're, they're dead or they're dying. And it's because usually churches stop reaching out or they stop reaching out to young people, they stop taking risks, they stop making changes. In fact, some of the most uh, fatal words churches announce, and you kind of know you're, you're on that death march, is uh, when they start saying, we've never done it like this before. And once churches start embracing that mindset, they're in trouble. Uh, Beach Point has existed for over 110 years, and we've changed. Now, just to give you a picture of that, let me show you our church in 1920. Uh, we look like this. So we have a photo of our 1920 church. So kind of similar to who we are today, but... Um, a few things have changed, uh, but one of the things that, I mean, it's, it's fascinating. Think about this. For a church that has existed as long as we have to come from that point to this point, uh, there had to be a mentality of investing in our young people, our kids, our next generation, and continue it with the hope that they would do the same thing. And so uh, uh, Beach Point has been a church that has, for since its very beginning, and in fact, we see this in the way that we've existed, that has, has invested in, in the generations. Now, in, in this church, about 50 years ago, a little less than 50 years ago, there was a really, I think, a defining moment. There was a moment in which a new senior pastor was called, and he, he basically kind of drew a line in the sand. And he said, in essence, this church is going to be marked, or at least my pastor is going to be marked by something. And, that, and it's going to be marked by an intentional commitment to care about young people. Kids, youth, young families, we are going to do, we're going to be the best at that. And his name was Doug Jeffrey, his wife, Pat. And, and Doug and Pat, I mean, they, they put their money where their mouth was. Pat uh, used to lead these mom's classes. And, and, and even people today will still talk about that was the first mom's class they, they took. Uh, Doug, Doug would, uh, here he was as a senior pastor. I can tell you as a high school kid coming here, Doug would go to camp with us. He would go to high school camp. He would go to junior high camp. And I'll just give you a perspective. I didn't ever really appreciate it until I became a senior pastor and had to, as a youth pastor, I would go to all the camps and do all the things. And it's just what I did. But now as a senior pastor, now to go back to camp and still have to do this job, I realized, wow, that is a significant uh, responsibility. I still have in my mind, I, I think this is how I'll, I'll see Doug when I, when I come into glory. Uh, it, it, we, we'd won a camp game. 
and we picked him up. I mean, he's a big guy. He's like 60 something years old at the time. We picked him up and we paraded him all over this upper field at Thousand Pines. And he's just screaming and yelling and, and going. And I was like, it, something happened. Something turned. He, he, he wasn't just the pastor. He became my pastor. And so I grew up as a young person and I realized this pastor loves the young people. He learned every kid's name and he would, he would find ways to interact with us in conversations. Uh, he did incredible things. He was very innovative. They built an intern program here, a, a really a cutting edge intern program. And, and out of that intern program, uh, the person who runs all our camps uh, came out of that. There are, uh, the, the, uh, there are missionaries and uh, Christian psychologists and counselors. There's pastors and youth pastors and associate pastors. There's uh, 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 the, the guy who leads the chaplains on the on the. Uh, uh, in the southeast, I mean, there's just some incredible people that came out of this intern program that Doug built and this commitment to raise up young leaders. The very first thing I came to here was a concert. And the youth pastor, Greg, had a vision. He was going to put on this big event called uh, uh, Sunset Summerfest. And they're going to have this, uh, this band play. And they'd never had a rock band play in the, in the worship center here in the sanctuary. And Doug was a little nervous about it. And so he sat with Greg and he asked him all the kind of questions to make sure, kind of uh, vetting it and kind of see if this was going to be okay. And he asked this question, Greg, is this what it, is this what it will take to reach young people? And Greg said, I think it is. He said, then do it. Even if I don't like it, do it. And, and they did. And I, I have to tell you, I'm thankful. I was invited as a kid to that event. And that was kind of the start for me in this church. But it's fascinating to me, all the things that Doug did, the integration of young people into the life of the whole church, the integration of young people into corporate worship, of, of not pushing the, the, the young people out to their own little silos and their own little worlds outside, but always integrating them into the whole life of the church. Uh, just recently in the last year, a friend of mine is uh, writing a book. It's kind of like the cutting edge book for church leadership. And it's called Growing Young. And it's how churches can grow young, how they think, how, how they can really think well about developing kind of this idea of, of passing on to the next generation. And so she said, Bill, will you, will you pre-read the book and give me some feedback? And I'm reading through this book and I'm like, this is hilarious. This is just our church in the 1970s and 80s. And, and it's like, this is what's cutting edge now, you know, in the 2020s is what we were doing 40, 50 years ago. Doug Jeffrey was the cutting edge innovator uh, of his time. And so I, it, when I think about this and I look at, at, at that, this great history, uh, I know some of you think, well, gosh, it sounds like the only people we're going to care about in this church is young people. And that's not entirely true. Uh, our core value, one of our five core values, is we say is we want to be intergenerational. Intergenerational. It means this, that we don't want to be multi-generational. Multi-generational means that we have something for each generation. We have this and that. And I, there's like a kind of a buffet you can pick from. Intergenerational means that we want there to be relationship. We want the generations interacting with each other. And so it's why we do some of the things that we do. Uh, think about just the, the uh, Huntington Beach church plant that we launched a, a couple years ago. Uh, in 2014, as we were thinking about that, Ken, who was our, at the time, he was our college and young adult pastor. The, the mindset of a lot of people was, well, Ken is just an expert at reaching young adults. It's going to be a young adult church. Ken, to his credit, he knew right away a, a church of all young adults might have the best coffee and coolest beanies and things like that. But... 
they, they will not survive. He knew young people needed mentoring. They needed leadership. They needed uh, people to invest in him. And so he, right from the very beginning, built, in, built a whole structure around a, a, a launch team that would have uh, an, an, an intentional intergenerational feel. And you can see it even in the first year or so of the churches. They've grown the uh, baptisms of people that are under 20 and people that are baptized over 50. I mean, it's just an exciting thing to see. Uh, you see it in our student ministries. I, I, I think of uh, uh, Phyllis and Sue who are working with our, our bridge, our college young adult. And I could tell you like they're great and all those kinds of things. But I love this photo because in some ways it just reminds me when I see the faces and I hear the stories of, of the young women who are being mentored by people like Sue and Phyllis and others. I realize how valuable it is to have people who have a vision for that in our church and who love love these young women and want to be a part of this important time of their life. You see it, you'll see that at Vacation Bible School. I know a lot of you are, are going to be volunteers for that. I think we have about 250 volunteers for Vacation Bible School. Even if you're not volunteering, uh, come one morning and just stand in the back and watch. And watch from junior high to way past junior high, these, these people singing and dancing with kids and, and just, you know, holding their hands and doing all these things. Just the love that it, it's all across the board. It's just uh, fascinating to watch. I love this photo. I was going through these old uh, Beach Point photos and I came across this photo of a guy named Rob Matson. Uh, some of you have probably had Rob as your... How many of you had Rob as your Sunday school teacher? Just raise your hand. Okay, so there's a lot of you here, which is fascinating because you realize when you look at this photo, Rob is about one or two years away from these kids, kids being in his Sunday school class. He's still a Sunday school teacher. He's just a legend. I know there's there's multiple legends here uh, in our Sunday school with our kids and Rob's one of those. And so I, I love that what we have here is a vision of investing. Uh, and so I want to ask you this morning, just I, I think it's so important on a day like today, where, where we're right here, summer's just begun. And as Jason mentioned, if there's ever a season in our church in which we think a lot and we invest a lot in our young people, it's in the summer. Uh, and so it's important that we're thinking a little bit about this. But let me ask you this question. What would it look like if we all took responsibility for investing in the next generation? Now, I want you to think about this in a couple of ways. One, I know a lot of you are here as parents and you have kids and a lot of you have small kids and you're thinking about this. And I want you to listen today to what we look at when we talk about. I think you need to embrace this as a parent because the scriptures are very clear that the family is to be primary in, in raising and teaching and training up our kids in faith. Uh, but uh, it's important that you, and, and let me add to this, and it's important that you understand that responsibility means that you cannot just outsource it to us. Okay, you can't, you can't just say, well, the best way I can invest in my kids' Christian education is to hand them over to Beach Point. Let me tell you why, and I've told you this before, but I want to remind you of this, and I want you to, to I want to etch this into your brain. Uh, it's what's called the 43,000 principle. We get, on average, about 40 hours a year with a kid. You get, on average, about 3,000 good hours with your own kids. And so when you begin to do the math, you realize if you outsource your kids and their Christian education just to us, um, they will be severely stunted. But, if, as we'll, we'll talk about this today in the passage, 
there, there's, if we, we take this responsibility on, we pass our faith on to the next generation, God will do amazing things. So we got to think about this as families, but it's very important that we think about this as a family of faith. And you're going to see in some ways as we think about this, how important it is that we are coming around each other, that we are supporting each other, that we are building this up in our church together. And so here's the big idea that I want to give you today. And I think it's a timely day to give this as we think about Beach Point's future. But Beach Point's future depends on us investing in the next generation. If we expect to last beyond us, then we have a responsibility to invest in our kids and our youth and the young people that are coming up. Our faith and leadership, we need to, we need to build them up. And so this morning what I want to do is I want, to, I want you to look at a psalm that is very, it's a very important psalm. It's, a, it's kind of a poetic history of Israel. We're going to look at just the instruction part, but I would encourage you if you want to read, keep reading through, you can read the, the, the storytelling that goes behind the instruction. So we're going to look at Psalm 78. So if you turn to Psalm 78, page 582 in the Bible's in front of you. This is a psalm in which in the first eight verses, we are given a very clear, we're given very clear instructions. And then the, the next verses begin to illustrate what happens when we do do these things or don't do these things. And so you'll begin to, to see this come alive. But Psalm 78 seeks to, to pass on a memory, uh, this memory onto the next generation. That they are to see the goodness of God, his power, his might, his wonders, they are to understand his ways. So we're to teach him in his ways. And so all these things, so that ultimately that they learn to trust him. And, when, and in the psalm, they, we see what happens when we trust the Lord and we see what happens when we don't trust him. So let's read together the first eight verses. Psalm 78 begins this way. My people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth with a parable. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, things we have heard and known, things our ancestors have told us. We will not hide them from their descendants, and we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our ancestors to teach their children. So the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born, and they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God and would not forget his deeds, but would keep his commands. They would not be like their ancestors, a stubborn and rebellious generation whose hearts were not loyal to God and whose spirits were not faithful to him. All right, so let's focus there. And again, I encourage you to, to you can read on uh, at the kind of poetic history that, that follows. But I want you to at least understand the instructions being given to you as, as parents and as families and for us as a family of faith here. But the first thing that we see is that we are called to explore the greatness of the Lord together. So this psalm captures for the people of God how important it is and they know from their history that there was a generation who missed it. And, he, and, and so they're being reminded, make sure and teach and train and remind the next generation of the greatness of the Lord. Now, Christian parenting, Christian education begins with God. 
begins with God. God is the hero of the story. And I know it's fun to learn about Moses and David and Noah and Mary and Esther and all these people. And we want to learn to be more like them. But I want to encourage you to always dive deeper in the story. And you will always see who the hero of the story is. That God is the hero. Notice what he says in verse 4. He says, we will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord. His power and the wonders he has done. Tell of his praiseworthy deeds. I mean, think of the people of Israel at that time. They could think not only of the great creation accounts, but they could think about the the dramatic kind of building of God's people from, from Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and all the different things that had happened. They could talk about his power, how God had come and rescued them out of Egypt, how he had stretched out his hands, all the things he had done. He had split open the seas and then closed them back. They could speak of his wonders, that here they were traveling in a, in a desert, and yet God could make bread uh, rain from the sky. He could bring water out of a rock. He could, he could, he could provide uh, quail more than they could eat. That God could do all these things, and they were to tell story after story. Now, and, and think about what it's like for us. We have the, the benefit, the privilege of living on this side of the resurrection on the cross. We can take, not look at, at just those stories, but we also get to tell our kids and the next generation about the glory of Jesus, the Son of God. His life, his ministry, his miracles, his teachings. We get to talk about the cross and how beautiful it is that God himself came to take our place. We get to speak of the power of the resurrection. And that there's life and life eternal, that there's an expectation of living with God, of being with God and being with each other forever. There are these wonderful things that we get to speak of and teach of. And he says, explore the greatness of God together. Now, one thing I want to give you as a challenge is this. You've started to hear about this, but in two weeks, we'll start kind of the prequel. And then after Vacation Bible School, we're going to go through a significant series as a church called The Story. And this book, The Story, is available out there uh, in the lobby. Uh, you can make a donation of $5 if you want it. If not, uh, we'll give you one. But there's a youth version. There's a kid's version. Uh, I think there's a preschool version. It's a little more expensive. But uh, this is, what this does is it, it's a resource to read alongside with your Bible. But what, what it does is it looks at the Bible from a chronological viewpoint. And so it's an abridged version. It helps us walk through the whole story of, God, of what God is doing from creation to the fall, to redemption, to our inclusion in God's great plan, ultimately to the new creation and the new heavens and the new earth. And, and it's this powerful thing. And I want to encourage you to get one of these if you can. You can get, if you prefer like an e-reader, you can get a Kindle version or whatever it is. But I want to encourage you as families or as friends to, to read through this together. There'll be homework every week. We're encouraging you to read one chapter. There's one chapter. It's a few pages a week. It will not be that hard. But one of the fascinating things that it's going to do for you is this. You're going to begin to see the unique way in which all of this is tied together. The whole Bible, all of scripture is tied together into one story. It's one story of what God is doing. And when you begin to see it, you begin to realize that this is not just a a book of great moral teachings or a kind of like an Aesop's fable of some great stories with principles to it. But that every story... Every story, you might even say it has kind of like this lower story. There's this kind of something that, that can affect us here and now. But it's all tied together to a, to a great upper story. Something God is doing. 
And so this is a tremendous resource for you. You'll learn the Bible probably more than you have in the past because in some ways you'll start to see the way it's all tied together. So I want to encourage you, and especially if you have kids, uh, I want to encourage you to to read through that together as a family. Uh, Do that. And it won't be a hard, it won't be a difficult thing to do. So check out the story uh, together. Uh, So this is the first thing is we want to discover his greatness. Now, verses 5 and 6, we see the second thing is we are called to understand the Lord's ways together. We understand the Lord's ways together. Now, it's important to remember something that when God created a people, he invited them to trust him and to walk into a way of life with them. And so he, he gave them laws, he gave them instructions, he gave them a, a path to follow. And everything that he gave them was for the purpose of them learning how to love him and honor him and how to love each other and honor each other. And every law and every commandment is always built on one of those two things. Uh, even Jesus himself, when he was questioned, what, what's the greatest commandment? Remember, he says to love God with all your heart, mind, soul, strength, love your neighbors, yourself. Everything is built on those two things. And so when God gives us his commands, it's always so that we could uh, follow his ways, follow his path, honor him, honor each other, and to live a blessed, prosperous life. You don't have to go to Barnes & Noble and grab a book this summer to figure out how to be successful. Okay, Listen to what God said to Joshua. They're on the, the, here's the people of God. They're on the verge of the promised land. And God says this. Notice two times. Notice the repetition. God says to Joshua, Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my so- servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may be successful. Wherever you go, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Now, let's, this is probably not success in the way that you might think of success. But here's, this is God's invitation. If you want the the successful life that I can give you, then, then just trust me, follow my ways. And I, I will teach you how to live with me and I'll teach you how to live with each other. And so they were to teach their kids these things and they were to, to do these things. Now, you and I know something that when it comes to teaching these things, it, it's very important that, that we are doing these things and we are living these things. Deuteronomy 6, this, this shouldn't be new for us as parents. It wasn't new for them. From the very beginning, God has told his people this. Deuteronomy 6 says this. He said, the commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Then notice what he says. He says, impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk on the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Everywhere you go, all the time, talk about this. Talk Talk about what I have for you. Even in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes to parents, he says, fathers or parents, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And so parents, and, and, and uh, what many believe it was pretty revolutionary at the time, fathers, take an invested role in your kids. Teach them, train them the way of the Lord. 
Our investment in our kids, our young people is so important. I I love the quote from Frederick Douglass. I think it's so right. He said, it's easier to build strong children than to repair broken men. And the more you and I are invested early, teaching, training, building wonder, and the, and the praiseworthiness of God in the lives of our young people, uh, the more we're going to see that they become whole, healthy people who, who are living the kind of life that honors God and each other. And this means this. this. This means as a family, and this means as parents, and this means as leaders here in the church, we have to create intentional moments of teaching and training. There has to be intentional moments. Uh, my wife is very creative. She's much more creative at this than I am. So this summer we have what's called Stafiri Sizzling Summer. Now, it, 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 copyright. Um, but it, but we, we have, a, our family is moving very quickly. It's probably the last summer we'll have everybody at home. And so uh, we, Tuesday night is non-negotiable. It's dinnered all together. And we have a weekly memory verse. And so there's a memory verse. It's plat- if you go in our house, they're all over the house. Whatever verse we're working on that week. We talk, uh, every person's response, if they, if they, can share the verse. They get to pick out of the prize bin and she's got these awesome prizes and things like that. Uh, uh, just some simple things, but just created this very intentional moment and we have conversations about the verse and, and, the, and what's involved. But beyond intentional moments, uh, there needs to be teachable moments. We need to be prepared. We need to take advantage of the teachable moments that come up in life. Teachable moments means that we have to be ready for life to happen in front of our kids, in front of young people in front of people who are still learning. And we need to be able to walk through the godly principles that, of how we're going to re- react and respond with this. I remember sitting with my oldest son, Andrew, and I, um, when he got ready to leave for, for college, I, I, I apologized for him because I just didn't feel like I had, I had spent enough intentional moments. Like I, I said, you know, we, we never really did great family devotions together. And, and I'm sorry, I, I just, I failed at that. I don't know why I was never good at that. And my son looked at me and he goes, what are you talking about? We never stopped doing family devotions. And, and he, he kind of helped me understand that we, everything in life that we ex- encountered and experienced, we were always thinking about through the, the lens of the gospel and through the kingdom of God. Parents, this means that we have to be great models Great models through our kids. Uh, the research is so strong on this. You typically get who you are. And so we have a huge responsibility. We're not going to fool our kids. We're not going to fool our kids if we live one way and then say, say it, it, it has to be a different way. Uh, youth leaders, Sunday school teachers, kid, kid leaders. You can't just turn it on for 90 minutes on Tuesday or Wednesday or Sunday. Like this has to be who you are. And, the, and your life with God has to be an overflow then into the lives of our young people, our kids. I want you to understand how we, we do what we do at Beach Point. Here at Beach Point, um, we, we don't really do flashy programs. Other than Vacation Bible School, which was like beyond flashy. Um, uh, but, but if you come to our youth and kid things, you'll see we're not into big flashy programs. We, we are into mentoring. Uh, our priority is mentoring, small groups with mentors. And the reason we do that is because we, we want to, it's slower, it's messier, but we never want to assume kids get things or young people get things because they, they attend. 
We want to have conversations. We want to teach and train and, and uh, make a safe environment for them to ask things. The Apostle Paul had a young guy named Timothy that he invested in. And when he came to kind of the end where he, he felt like he had kind of done his work in Timothy's life, he said these things to Timothy. He said, Timothy, the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, you now entrust to reliable people who will then be qualified to teach others also. I don't know if you notice that, but, but right there, very similar to what the psalm said, you see this idea of generations, of one generation investing in the next one and the next one, discipling those who, who will disciple those who will disciple, disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, this ongoing thing. The psalmist says, look, parents, an and older generation, invest in your kids in the next generation so that they'll invest in their kids and then they'll invest in their kids who haven't even come yet. And so that's the vision of what we want to have. This last week I was on vacation and, and we went to a really, my son Trevor and I went to a really big church. And it was like, I, he said, how many people do you think were in that service? I said, I, I think about 2,000, probably about 2,000 people. He said, what do you think the youth group's like? I, said, I, don't, I have no idea. And he asked me, do you think they have small groups like us, like life groups? I told him, I have no idea. Why do you ask? And he said, I can't imagine what it would be like to be in a youth group and not have a small group. I was like, bing, 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 Satch gets a raise. Like that is, he, yes, yes, that's what I want kids to say. And that's what I want our young people to say. And that's what I, I love. I love that very idea. We, what we are praying for, what we're working for, and what I hope you're working for is we want to create sticky faith. And what we mean by that is a faith that lasts beyond high school, beyond when they leave the home. And the statistics are very scary that about half our youth group kids will leave the church when they leave home. And so we're trying to work through that. And that's why we need to, to mentor. And that's why we, we, we are, are committed to those things. And that's why I, I know as a parent, and I think you would agree for those of you who are parents, I can't do it all by myself. I need help. And so I'm looking to surround my kids with other mentors, I, I, other important people. I need the Josh O'Briens and the Josh Longs and the Matt Greasbys for my kid. Even if it means dressing them up in tutus and things like that, I can't. But I, I need these guys who will take my kid out to dinner and sit with them and ask them hard questions, questions that are much better asked by them than me. I need guys like that. I need my, my best friend, Dan. I love that he, he will... He will uh, call or text my son Andrew 1,500 miles away all year long and just check on how is he doing, ask him questions, see about his faith. He, 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 he loves him like his own son. I need the Valley Day team here. I, I need them teaching and training and loving my daughter and, and bringing her up and enforcing and reinforcing all the things that we're trying to teach at home. We need this. We need all of you. It can't be done by a, by a paid staff. It has to be done by all of us together. I want to challenge you. Join us in making disciples who make disciples who make disciples. This is who we want to be. Well, here's one last thing I want you to see uh, in the passage. It ends in verses 7 8, and it says that we are called to develop trust in the Lord. All of this, the goal of worship and instruction and training you see in verses 7 and 8, is that they would learn to trust. They would learn to trust God. 
This is what God is after. And so he says, how do you do this? Look, let's be honest. Trusting someone, it's, it's scary. You, you put yourself in a very vulnerable position. And you're trying to learn how to, to think through this vulnerability. How do you reduce this, this idea of risk that's involved? And the psalmist says, here's how you do it. Remind them who I am. My, my, my power. My, my, my deeds. Remind them what I've done. Tell them. Show them my ways and show them that my ways are good. And will lead them to life. And that vulnerability will, will reduce and you will learn. They will learn to trust me. The goal of this isn't behavior modification. You can get your kids to behave while they're in your house. You know this because some of you, you did it to your parents, right? And the moment you had the chance to leave, you're like, later! And then you boomerang back, thankfully, because your parents did a good job of building things in you. But, but you and I know this is more than just simply behavior modification. It's about the heart. It's about them learning to trust God. And God says, look, the way you'll do that is create a vision of my greatness. Show them the goodness of my ways. And they will learn to trust me. So I want to I close by giving you an opportunity to think about how you might respond to this. And the first thing is this, is to think about uh, who it might be that you would invest in. Is there someone that you should be investing in right now? Now, if you're a parent or grandparent, maybe today is just a day to, re- just to renew your commitment. To say, look, I, the church is there and I'm going to take advantage of everything, every resource the church has. But this is my responsibility. And I'm going to take it seriously. And I'm going to be invested. And I'm going to, we're going to have intentional times and we're going to have teachable moments and we're going to be ready for these things. But I got to build a vision in my kids, in my grandkids, of the greatness of God and the goodness of his ways. Now, if, if you're in a position where uh, it, it goes beyond this, of course, we, we have to love and care for each other's kids as well. And one of the things that happens in the summertime is we uh, fill your life up and your Bible up with these prayer cards. And today you're going to get your first chance to get one. And we, we decided to, to launch this early. So th- today, um, kids on the patio, and some of you probably already got them, but kids on the patio today are going to pass out uh, uh, prayer cards for our kids that are coming to Vacation Bible School. And we want you to begin, even though it's like uh, we have weeks until Vacation Bible School, we want you to begin to pray for God's work in the child's life, in the family's life. One of the cool things that we did this year, though it's a little different, is at the end of Vacation Bible School, if you've enjoyed the experience, you want to continue in the experience, on the back, there's some instructions of how you can contact our staff and our team. And you can say, hey, I'd like to keep praying for this child, this family. And they'll give you some instructions on how to do that. Uh, but I want to encourage you. Uh, you'll get some more as the summer goes on. And I love it. I see these things in people's Bibles. And they're all over my desk. And kids, some of your kids are people I'm praying for. And so find someone to pray for here in our church. Ask this question now. Is there someone who could be investing in you? Is there someone who could be investing in you? Think of yourself as Timothy. Who could be an Apostle Paul to you? Some of you are new parents. or uh, and, and let me say this. None of you are too old for this. 
Uh, I, I love one of the guys on our boards, a guy named Ron Rountree. I don't know how old Ron is, but he's, I'm guessing he's in his, he, Ron's in his 70s, at least. Um, uh, and Ron has a mentor. And I love that because he's modeled to me how important it is to continue to find people that are investing in him. And I want to encourage you in the same way to think about who should be invested in you. So as we close today, I want to give you a moment just to pray through those two questions. Look at the bottom of your notes and just think about those two questions. And take a moment and just ask the Spirit. Ask God through his Holy Spirit. Who should I be investing in? Who is it? And, and you may know not just your own kids, but maybe you realize there are kids, they're friends of your kids. Maybe you feel called to, to, to a role here with our kids or our youth, the family of faith here. I want you to take a moment and pray and let the Spirit speak, but I also want you to think about your own, someone investing in you. And take a moment, and after a mo- moment, uh, the team will here will lead us in our final songs of worship.